Hello and welcome to a very special Foot podcast. I'm Ben, host of the Foot Weekly podcast, and with me is e World Cup commentator, well, esports commentator, uh, Brandon Smith. Brandon, how are you? Hello, Ben, mate. Uh, welcome back uh, to our listeners as well, and of course, your Foot Weekly listeners as well. If anyone didn't know, me, Richard, Ben, Colin, we all work together, or we kind of work in the same tangent uh, with the podcast, and we both support each other's podcast. So, hello to his audience, hello to the Foot Champions. Uh, pod audience and yeah Ben it's going to be a very good show I don't know if you caught any of the event over the weekend but yeah yeah I was watching um, as closely as I could over the weekend um, it was interesting I suppose I'm the only one with a perspective from home actually because you guys were all there at the event uh, does that mean does that mean we did a okay job you did a great job it was, it was really good coverage <laughs> enjoyed it very much but I kind of have to say that don't I? <laughs> yeah of course of course no no it's really good it's really good I really enjoyed it I think we're very lucky to be joined by some really important pro players to that tournament uh, do you want to introduce them Brandon yeah, of course, and without them, you know, we wouldn't have seen the, the story that the uh, the competition took in the end. Obviously, you're looking at a favourite to win, but this is what FIFA Esports is about. It's about the newcomers coming into the scene, and we're lucky to have Poacher and Tex. First of all, Tex, welcome to uh, to the podcast, mate. Yo, guys, how you doing? Uh, how are you feeling? How you mate, feeling? it still hasn't really, like, properly sunk in, but, like, it's just a bit overwhelming, really, because I look at my Twitter... Uh, and I, I on the on the mentions, I scroll down, and I got like five new notifications mm. like every second. It's all a bit the, nice. uh, the Twitter itself is a is a story. I remember when you came and sat and had breakfast. I think it was me, Richard, you boy, and, that. and I think you had about you didn't have that many at the time. I think you had about three to five hundred, yeah. and then. For a Twitter growth, I know Shells is a great example of it, obviously, and you come onto the scene last year, but from going from you know five hundred followers to fifty k within you know five days, it's incredible, and you know you should be very proud of yourself obviously for winning the event and of course you're in a position now where your life's changed you could say yeah I've like I've been speaking to like some people because obviously I've got a lot of attention and it's just like people I've been watching and like on TV for like years and and like the fact like they're calling me and I'm speaking to them on the phone is all a bit mad but the followers like I think I started getting them all um, after you know when I beat Rocky and that's yeah. when when it all started to come in and then I was lucky enough to like play like Kurt and people like that and beat them. So yeah, I mean, you did good. play some of the the biggest names, didn't you? Which probably helped your Twitter following. But also, did it did it build your confidence as well? Do you think? Like the first game, uh, like we found out who we were playing a couple of days before, mm. and I was, I was I was a bit annoyed, but I knew like if I play how I can, I could do well. And then I was two 0 down to Kurt in the first game. I thought, oh, oh no, here we go. And then I managed to pull it back and win three two in the first game. Uh, and then uh, the first leg, and then the second leg, he scored the 90th minute. But I wasn't too down because I, I knew I played well. And then the second second game, I uh, won 11-3, which it, it shouldn't have been 11-3. It should have been a lot closer. But I, I thought I deserved some luck after after losing last second the game before. So as well um, to add to that, obviously, you know, you know, when you were getting these big names, it felt like from a commentary perspective that. You know, a lot of people could have sat there and they could have moaned about it, but you know, you sucked it up and you got on with it, and you kind of played with no fear. You know, what was your attitude going into to those big games? Well, like I got the first game against Kurt, I was like, I was, I was okay, but like round three, there's a big, there's a big like mix-up, weren't there? And I had just won five-one, but uh, fortunately, things happened. They got taken away, and going into the game against Gorilla. I was like, I was really annoyed. I, I I sort of lost my head a little bit. I wouldn't say lost my head. I just wasn't thinking properly, and I lost. But after the Gorilla game, I sort of 
thought to myself, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to have to come through and just deal with it, really. And I did. And I think one of the things that people will have picked up on is obviously you are a young player in the context of the tournament um, at 16 and um, a slightly older player helped you on, on your way to, and in those closing stages where it got a bit tight and we're lucky enough to have him on the podcast with us it is a poacher also known as Sam did you win your first competitive tournament as well is that right uh, I came second okay. it was a uh, FIFA 15 play like a legend um, and so I I think I was in a group with Rocky actually I lost the game but I still managed to get through and then I beat Ty Walton then Marlott then I lost in the final um, so I was 16 as well so you kind of understood what it felt like to, to go through that as your first competitive. Personally. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I felt like I needed someone there as well. And so I thought I'd support Tex for his journey. And Tex, how did you think that sort of helps your your experience, and especially those closing stages? Yeah, it helped a lot because like I was going, you know, in between, there's big weights in between the games. Like, mm. I was nervous. And then Poacher like, came with me everywhere and like started talking to me and calmed me down. And then when things started to get tight in the matches and half time would come and he'd just come up to me, calm me down a lot. So A little thing to, to talk about as well, you've both got kind of like a flair skill um, <laughs> kind of trait to your game, which is fair to say. Is that something that you've always both had or, or Sam said, you know, bring out the showboat? Nah, we, we used to throw pro clubs together all the time and uh, I, I learned from Poacher like, all the skills and stuff. But during the games, like... Poacher was telling me to stop doing skills and just yeah. keep the ball <laughs> and, I, and I just I wasn't, wasn't having any of it I was like nah I need to I want to entertain the audience so I just did skills I, uh, as well to go on for that I think it was one of your games it might have been before it might have been the console final the console semi-final I remember Poacher shouting keep the ball <laughs> yeah it was when, it was when um, I think it was against hashtag Ryan I'm not sure and he scored the free kick to make it 3-1 and yeah, he did yeah, it was that, and, yeah, yeah. and I heard someone in the audience shout keep the ball I had no idea who it was so it was poacher so. yeah no I thought you'd start whacking out the rainbow flicks again <laughs> <laughs> so Tex what's your favourite skill move to pull off my favourite skill move is, you know, the sombrero flick, so where you flick it up and then flick it back over the oh, head. But, yeah, yeah, because I scored one in the group stages and so from like 30 yards and no one had seen it. Oh, because it then, wasn't, not, wasn't a televised game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, got, uh-huh. I, I remember someone recorded it. And then, but my favourite skill I actually did is when I played Rocky. Well, I did, like, I think I was quite far in the lead at this point. So I did a Balassi flick, flicked it back over the head. And then it's like a scissor kick, sort of, like sideways scissor kick, and it's skim the post. So <laughs> I think that's my favourite. Nice. Sounds really good. And, and Poacher, you're, you're also kind of quite into your skills. I think I remember seeing, was it um, a charity event you played? You pulled out some pretty, pretty good ones. What, what's your kind of favourite combination to, to get going? Uh, yeah, so at the charity event, I was playing Euphanoc. Um, mm. And I remember I passed it to Ronaldo. I did a step over, then, um, then a heel to heel. And then for the final play, I rainbow flicked him. <laughs> and then scored from it. Damn. But my favourite skill, I'd say, I'd say it's a rainbow flick at the moment, but it mm. changes. It depends on, you know, what I'm using at that time. Yeah. But yeah. right now, just like rainbow flicking it and then volleying it is like my favourite thing to do. Yeah, it's pretty satisfying. It's kind of interesting talking to pro players who use skill because, I mean, some just don't really at all, do they? But the very best seem to have it in their locker. Like, you look at Gorilla, he tends to pull off a few skills, doesn't he, Brandon? Oh, he does. He, he does indeed. A point I wanted to make as well is, you know, you're both quite young players. Sam, are you, are you 18 or 19 yeah, now? Yeah, um, I'm 18, I'm 19 yeah. in about a month. Exactly, and obviously you both are still, you know, about two years apart. What I think is really interesting as well is when Poacher came onto the scene, 
as you said a few years ago via the Gfinity Play Like a Legends was playing at XL and obviously went to Roma in the end Just the, you can just tell the difference in the eSport you could say because back then you got your chance Poacher and you could say maybe the viewership may may not have been there compared to where it is now and obviously you know the idea of the rewards that EA used and you look at the difference between you know if you went back to when you were 16 Poacher and when you went to Gfinity imagine if you had the growth that DH Techs had I mean, it yeah, um, it would have been crazy. Yeah, it would have been. I remember uh, the tournament I played in had 2k viewers for the final. And I mean, well, for context, this one had what 100,000 or something. Yeah, which, which for me just shows, you know, the the maybe the viewer, the improved viewership as well. I know that the rewards are in there as well, but in general, you know, FIFA is an esport and people more getting involved. People maybe got their eyes open more. I think it's great, and it just shows that you know anyone out there that wants to get into this can go and have a good qualifying month in February, maybe have a good tournament run. And again, you know, it's changing lives. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And talking of which, Tex, uh, how did you find the tournament? I know there was a lot of waiting around involved. How did you sort of get over that aspect? Nah, this is where Poacher came in and helped me a lot because like the the big waits, I think it was on the first day, there was like a massive wait and we kept waiting. And like, I know Poacher was still playing, so I was really nervous and uh, I didn't have like, anyone there. But like I think it was day three when they between the console final and the grand final, there's like a five hour wait, four hour wait, and that's that's where Poacher came in and just calmed me down. And I had a few other people keep talking to me. Like, I had my mum at the event and I, was, I spoke to her a little bit, and she just says like chill and helped. Great. And and what does she make of it all? Must have been quite a new experience for her. Like, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, no, not a couple of years ago, about a year ago, probably like November time, uh, I started playing Gfinity and I started like, I won a few and I explained to my mum what it was and stuff because this is, I, I was new to competitive FIFA, I only found out about it like October, November last year and uh, she she's looked into it. I wouldn't be able to come to Barcelona because if my mum didn't come with me because I'm only 16, you had to bring uh, a guardian, so... My mum came along and she loved it. Like she was happy tears backstage and stuff after I was winning. Like it was, it was good. What do you think her knowledge is like? Does she? Do you think obviously as you could see compare it in two ways? Obviously, does she? Does she follow football much or? Mm. Uh, yeah, she's a big Liverpool fan. Oh, uh, we we watch it all the time together. So like, I, she's like, why are you using like Messi when yeah. you could be using like Salah? <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> Doesn't know about it. Is it a two star week for then? Yeah, she just she 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 didn't know you there was a such thing as ultimate team. She's like, why aren't you losing Liverpool? <laughs> so, so that's just that. What, what was your mum's reaction? Obviously, you know, aside of winning the competition, the prize money that comes with it, was she was she amazed that you could you know you could earn this kind of money from playing a video game? No, she's like, she's like me. She she's like happy for me because she knows like how much I want to like win and win all the tournaments and get trophies and stuff. Because from a young age, I've played football. And like, I've always been annoyed. Like, if I came second, like, I'd be annoyed myself that I didn't come first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so maybe she, that mindset of, you know, wanting to win and... Yeah, because uh, going into the grand final, people say, oh, you've already come, like, so far. It's, this this game, it, it doesn't... It, not the fact it doesn't matter, but you've already made a name for yourself. I was like, nah, I want to win. <laughs> so... Uh, is it true that you said something later in the stage like mum we're going to Florida or something <laughs> yeah I, I promised my mum before we came uh, 
to the uh, to the event that if if I even get like get to the first knockout game, we got like a thousand. I say that I told her we're going to San Francisco because she's always <laughs> she's always wanted to go to San Francisco. So oh, nice. and then that's if nice. I went an extra further, I would have had was it two and a half thousand? So I told I then told my dad that we'd go to Anfield, and then I managed to win the whole thing. So I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, it's gonna have to be something pretty big, Champions League final or something. Uh, but actually, let's get a bit tactical for a moment. You used four two three one, is that right? Why did you choose that? Well, FIFA seventeen, I always use you know the four one two one two narrow and then i went first like few weeks of fifa 18 nothing was clicking i couldn't do it so i switched to the four two three one because i knew that was quite a popular formation so i did i just switched to it and it started to work so i just never switched formation once throughout the tournament i stayed four two three one and do you think that's quite important in terms of sticking with the familiar i don't know player positioning things like that yeah because quite a common thing i do is i get the ball with my fullback uh, or like CDM and I, I do a through ball down the line to my striker and then like, it's like a counter attack but if there's no one in the box you can like build your play up because you can just play it back I think it was my fourth goal in the second game in, in the grand in the grand final against Nicholas I played it down the line I did like a triple like there's no one to turn to to pass it back to so I just looked in the box and then Ronaldo, Ronaldo was like running in and I just managed to find him so it, like you can score on the counter from it, or you can, if there's no one in the box, you can turn and like build your play up and play possession. So. And uh, a point to make as well, I've never seen a keeper kick do goal kicks like I've seen with you. Like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> up the back line. I don't know what it was. Richard was trying to explain it, but uh, anyone that you know is at home, what is it? Is it the formation you play, the player instructions you got that makes it happen, or is it just the technique? Um, I think. I've never used another formation, uh, so I don't know if it would work in other formations. But I think it works so well because I've got the the left and right attacking cams, and they're always like out wide. So all yeah. you need to do is run your goalkeeper back to like the byline, run them forward to the edge of the box, and then the other the other team's fullbacks will push up, and then you play it over, and you've got a, you've got an attack straight away. So if some of our listeners who might not know, what controls do you use for that? I use RB and X, so yeah. But I, I know uh, afterwards when I went to the uh, like restaurant in the hotel, Megabit came up to me and started asking me a load of questions about how you do it and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> it's high praise indeed. So in terms of your team at the event, obviously you had the choice of pretty much any player in FIFA. Did that mean you brought in new players? I imagine your team wasn't nearly that good at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at home now, I've got I've got like Sadio Mane and Ousmane Dembele so the fact's like to see what I could do with like Timmy and Messi and like all these players is it's mental so was you at any point was you thinking that you're going to keep with the same team at home or was you like I've, I've got to, I've got to adapt I've got to improve it <laughs> well before the event started uh like with like warm-up games before coach was telling me nah stay use the team you use at home because you know what they're doing yeah and like and then poacher was using the team he has at home mostly and we played some warm-up games and Poach was like, nah, I need to switch. <laughs> Cause, uh, and then he ended up switching. So yeah. I always knew going into the event myself that I was going to use spare players. But Yeah, nah. so I was going to use my normal team at home because of timing and because I know like exactly the way my team's going to play. But um, as I turned up, the gameplay is just like, it's completely different to the one you play at home. Oh, really? Um, Tell us a bit about that. It's a, it's a lot slower and a lot better. Well, in my opinion, it's a lot worse. I think it just I think it suits your style of play more, um, <laughs> which is why when I next go back, 
I'm gonna like try to play more possession. Whereas going into it, I was kind of like quick passing skills kind of thing, and it just wouldn't work because of the timing. Because I think there was like um, a skill I use at home is heel to heel, and then the ball rolls straight away. So I was trying to do that at the event, and like you do the heel to heel, and then the ball roll would like happen like maybe like a few milliseconds later than it usually would, so it wouldn't work. I, I don't even know how you do that. I do that, and I end up doing a rainbow <laughs> flick where it hits your own players. Uh, back so like, it's, I don't know what I'm doing I only so it's like the easiest skill I, I, I think this is the big the big scoop here is like winner of <laughs> yeah, card I only do the uh, the extravagant ones so like I was, uh, at, I was in an Xbox Live party last night and um, I asked how you do a roulette <laughs> I don't know how you do it <laughs> obviously you're, you're both skillers and is that just something that you think makes you play better or you just you know as, as you said text you just want to be exciting because yeah. you know players like Kurt we've had on the, on our podcast before and I've spoke to him and stuff and there's other players out there that just say they don't need to use skills they you know, they don't need to they just you know play quick passing and that's the way they play if, if I played a game without skills I honestly think there's a 50% chance I'd lose like I, I can't play without skills like I'll be running down the line and I need to do a skill to cut back but like when I play cut, he doesn't do skills, and I really don't know how he does it. So yeah, definitely, I find it pretty amazing myself as someone who also likes a bit of skill. Tex, tell us a bit about your qualifying because you you kind of scraped into the tournament, really. I started the month of qualifying really bad. I finished on thirty six, and then um, the second week I was thirty three and zero, and then I I disconnected, so I was thirty three and one, and I lost my head, and I finished on thirty seven. So. I probably should have been on like 76 after two weeks out of 80, but I ended up being on 73, I think. So I only did two big last weeks to qualify, and I did. So. Wow, so you quite easily might not have been there. Yeah, very easy. I remember, you know, David Myler. Yeah, yeah. Also um, I played like, I think it was like my third last game, and I was like 4-2 down with... At 15 minutes left and I managed to score a, I managed to score a last minute winner to qualify so David Myler could have stopped you going to the tournament <laughs> yeah he could have, he could have made me not qualify so wow what a story that would have been and also of course he has a really good team doesn't he so you're able to beat him with your Osman Dembele's and the like <laughs> yeah it's, I looked at his team I went into the game I was like I looked down at the game attack I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I, I never panicked so much in my he's life he's not a bad player is he no nah, he, he's good I've been speaking to him he wants a few he wants a few games so yeah I'm sure he does I'm sure you're getting plenty of requests these days on Twitter uh, yeah I, 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 I like I try I'm going to try play everyone like when I get time but it's difficult so alright it's going to be really easy to get those friendlies now <laughs> yeah I used to ask for friendlies before they get the replies <laughs> the only person that blame me is Poacher <laughs> <laughs> well so Poacher you've obviously known Tex for a little while been playing him a fair bit be honest did you think that he could make the final and obviously go on to win it as well the thing is because obviously I played him online before like, I, I knew he was good um, so when he found out he got cut, I was like, "You can beat him. Like you're good enough." But Tex wouldn't believe me. Yeah, no, I, I always believed in him, but to actually win the event, like I would never think that. But I thought he could like get like a good placement. At any point as well, Tex, was you like, "This is actually going to happen," or did you just take it game by game? Um, I went into the knockout games and I knew like if I played how I was doing, I could go on like really far. So. I would say I was expecting it, but like the way I had these all these hard opponents, and I was I was sort of to say like not breezing, but going through the games comfortably, and I, I didn't expect to uh, like play as well as I did. So um, obviously February qualifying month's coming up, and you know 
you could say you're a perfect example of maybe a player that's unknown going to you know a bit of a, a well-known name in the scene what would you say to anyone that is looking to get into fifa esports um just to uh know that you're gonna put a lot of time and effort into it and when like you maybe get a loss during the weekend league take a break and like maybe have a drink something to eat and go into the next games and also just like i know i said it before but honestly my mom helped me so much like she like i got a loss and i was getting annoyed i was like telling my mum and she she like made me something to eat and stuff i calmed down and so so obviously earlier we talked about how your mum was really happy for you and uh, you got such a huge response on twitter what has the response been like in sort of day-to-day life i mean it's a huge thing for you but do people kind of realize what's gone on and like the success you've had yeah i i, I went back to college and I told my my teachers I was asking me oh, well, I'm on my phone and looking at FIFA stuff uh, before before I um like came to the the event and I came back to college and he was just saying that he's amazed at like what I've done and stuff and it's like my teacher loves me now. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So hopefully he lets you off uh, a bit of homework now and again. <laughs> yeah. What are you actually doing at school? Uh, I guess you must have done GCSEs last year. But what are you up to at the moment? I I did a, I do football coaching course because I I always wanted to be a football coach. I knew if I, I, that there was some in FIFA and I knew I was good at FIFA, so. I picked something I enjoyed at college and wanted to be. Something that Richard mentioned as well, obviously, you know, you are a football coach and stuff. Did it, as much as some people agree and don't, like, for me, I think, as crazy as it sounds, sometimes football and FIFA go hand in hand, just the you know, like, patterns of play and decision-making. Ridiculous brand yeah, that, that it, it, <laughs> it's like To be honest, I agree, because you sort of know, like, through football coaching, you know better ways to, like, manage the game. So, yeah. like... Instead of rushing into the attacks, maybe sometimes you need to pass the ball out and find the perfect opportunity. So, yeah, I'd say it helps. Yeah, I think in, in some ways it definitely does. Okay, so that kind of wraps up this kind of, you could say, first part of the podcast. Because we didn't want to keep Tex for too long, as you can imagine, with uh, everyone after him for a game. So, Tex, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, no, giving, and giving no an insight to, you know, to how the tournament went, anyone trying to get into to esports and from myself Ben Foot Weekly FIFA, the whole FIFA scene uh, the Foot Champs pod we, we wish you all the best for, for the upcoming year mate right, pleasure to be on oh, brilliant to have you yes. thanks, thanks very much for coming along hopefully see you guys soon at the next event eh? yeah. we'll do mate we'll do all the yeah. best so listeners that brings us to the end of the first part of this Foot Weekly Foot Champs pod special you can follow the Barcelona champion at D-H-T-E-K-K-Z on Twitter not that he needs any more followers but do hang around because Poacher is going to stay with us as we're joined by regular Foot Champs pod pundit AS Roma esports manager Colin as we dig our teeth into the highs and lows the good the bad of last weekend's event don't forget to subscribe to both Foot Champs Pod for all your competitive FIFA discussion and pro player interviews at Foot Champions Pod on Twitter and also the Foot Weekly Podcast for all your other Foot content from trading and tactics tips to reviews and gameplay discussion. That's at Foot Weekly Pod on Twitter. If you're listening on Foothead who kindly hosts the Foot Weekly Podcast, you'll find the links to subscribe to both podcasts just below the embedded player on the page you're listening to this on. Now back to the second half. Welcome back to this special uh, podcast uh, with Foot Weekly and Foot Champions Pod. As Ben just said, and a little break there, we have got the man he used to hear in from America, Colin. Welcome back. How was Barcelona for you? 
Uh, it was a very weird event. It was very odd. Um, you know, there were highs, there were lows, uh, there were wins, dramatic wins, there were losses, and of course there were storylines aplenty. Yeah, I mean, it felt like there was a bit of tension at the event, or I don't know, would you say maybe people were a bit disgruntled uh, on the first day, obviously a lot of delays, and then there were some technical issues throughout. Do you think that had a bit of an impact? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, the... You know, the EA guys wanted to put on the best event possible. Unfortunately, you know, the first day that wasn't uh, able to happen. And I think it, it kind of started everything off on a bad note. And so from then on, the event was almost like tainted. It felt like not tainted, but uh, some of the players just kind of fell off for the rest of the event. Um, and I think that's where some of that tension that, that you might have been referring to came from. Poacher, you were obviously at the event. What did you, I mean, did those things affect you? Uh, it didn't affect me that much compared to other players. Um, the issue is is that you start playing, you're getting warm, and then you have a break for like one to two hours, which means that you know maybe you're not on tight as much as you would be um, with kind of like reactions and stuff like that. So for other players, I reckon it did affect them a lot more. So what was it like? Was it always kind of having to wait a long time for the next match or how did it kind of cause an issue? It, it would depend on whether they give us a warning or not so obviously if they said well we're going to have like a one hour break here then you'd have a practice match whereas if they're like um, we'll be playing in 10 minutes but then after the 10 minutes they'll be like oh we're playing actually in 20 minutes now we couldn't have that practice match um, so it kind of just depended on how they delayed it and Brandon you're obviously there did you notice this having an effect on you know some of the bigger names at the tournament yeah it's a bit of a weird one to, to be honest because obviously um, there was, as you can imagine, 128 players there, a number of big names, a number of, you could say, unknown players or less followed players. But, you know, they're all there for a reason. They're all 128 of the best players out of millions. And I think it was that kind of mindset that maybe, the, you know, the newcomers had um, that, you know, they weren't scared. I know it was a LAN event. A lot of the guys maybe didn't have that LAN experience, but sometimes it works in their favour. And they were quite fearless, I thought, a lot of these, you know, players like Dreamer, for example, from Wales, DH Tech's another example. You've got Runners in there, Excel uh, Shane, you know, players that do, some play for an organisation, have been around for a while, but, you know, some had a little bit of a taste of a LAN event last year, and you could say were more prepared this year. And others, as you said, were just, you know, newcomers to the scene, and they, they were fearless. And maybe the issue we talk about a lot, me and Rich, when we commentate, is players that play for big organisations have a lot of pressure on them. So... I don't know if that's uh, something that worked into not into their favour either. Yeah, and Poacher, did you find, or do you find, being part of Roma Esports and Fnatic puts pressure on you? Uh, I used to have a lot of pressure on me, I felt. But um, now I've been here for quite a while, that I feel like I don't have that much pressure. Like, it's still there, but I'm kind of like, more used to it now. Um, and, and Colin, do you try and stop that from being a problem as much as possible? Yeah, I, I do my best to definitely um, because I think it, it always factors in when you go into an event, especially a big event like Barcelona. Um, so like like you said, it's always present. But um, I think when we just try and play it, we try and take it you know game by game. Um, and that's usually the, the best strategy going into these events because the more you build it up, the, the more pressure I think comes into it mentally. And I think we just, yeah, take it, taking it game by game has bestly, definitely been the best strategy for us. Now, something that relates to that and was kind of raised by some people who were at the event was that there was quite a lot of sort of negativity and maybe a bit of blame culture towards the game from pro players. Do you think there's a bit of a problem with pro players and not really taking responsibility for their actions or, or their their losses, if you like? Um, I think if you look at the some of the conditions that 
um, the players had to play in during this event. Um, obviously, they weren't ideal conditions. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you're the one playing FIFA and, you know, the, the result reflects on you. But I definitely think that this event wasn't maybe the most accurate representation of, of all of the players' current levels. And obviously, I'm not just saying that because of our performance. Um, there were a lot of players that felt like uh, because of these conditions, because of, you know, only playing two matches in 10 hours in the first day, which wasn't ideal. Um, I, I think the rest of the event was great, but that first day I think definitely threw off some people. Um, but talking about players, you know, blaming the game in, in certain ways, I don't know if that's always f fair, but um, w like like Poachers mentioned in the past, you know, when you're going to the LAN and you're playing on the different, you know, eSports edition of the game, um, you, you have to adjust. And some players just don't adjust quickly enough or fast enough to be able to get used to that gameplay. And so I can understand where the players are coming from, but then I also understand the, you know, outside view of, of people basically seeing it as, oh you know they're they're just making excuses they're not wanting to take responsibility so i i totally get where people are coming from i think you know whatever the level of a player some 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 are going to be excuses some are going to be valid reasons what's interesting as well is going down the line with the cross console finals the only excuse you can really have there is the controllers whether you know you're seeing now like you can get a number of modified controllers that fit both sizes and obviously work for both consoles. You can get an Xbox controller that works on PlayStation as well, which I don't know if will be allowed this year. And I think Grilla used that idea last year. But, you know, both teams have got icons now. So the only thing really you could say would be the controllers that are going to affect them in the console final-wise, you could say, uh, regarding excuses. But it's always going to be a different different environment as well when you go to a LAN event, no matter what you know how the gameplay is and how you're feeling that day. It's always going to be a different environment, especially for the newcomers, because you're going out of the comfort of your own home playing in a you know in a big venue that the Paolo St. Geordie was and you know there's going to be fans in there some days and you're playing against the best players you can't skip round them as you maybe might get five to ten um, if you're really unlucky on foot champions you've got you know you've got to sit down you've got to play against the best and it's the best of the best there yeah I mean that is the big thing about these tournaments seeing the best of the best go up against each other which you know you can't really uh, replicate that in your sort of standard weekly foot um, so yeah it was great in that sense uh, I just wanted to talk about what you mentioned earlier the cross console final obviously they had to play both legs on the Xbox Tech's home console how much of a difference do you think that made? Um, yeah obviously like, he's going to have a better advantage playing on the console he's used to um but you know it's like what can you do because the event itself the, the playstation network went down and like you had to finish on that day right um so like i couldn't really see any possibility of like anything else they could have done um so i think there's an advantage there but they they could literally have no choice to do anything else because they had to finish on that day yeah, I mean, as you say, it was totally out of their hands. And I thought it was a bit harsh of Moab Amiang to come out, I think, in a German publication build and say it was ridiculous that it made such a huge difference, etc., when there was obviously nothing that could really be done. And he said, you know, he hasn't played on the other console, hasn't touched an Xbox controller for over a year or something. It seems like a bit of lack of preparation, really. I mean, do you play on PlayStation Poacher? Um, I... Basically, around a year ago, I bought a PlayStation and I played PlayStation for a few months. So now, when I pick up a PlayStation controller, I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I don't, like, I'm used to it already. But I know a lot of players aren't. Yeah, I mean, Colin, do you feel like that's something you'd make sure you do go out and get your players to play on the opposite console? So if they do get into that position, they can, you know, profit from that experience. Yeah, I think uh, in the same way that um, football teams 
practice penalty shootouts like that's not something you practice every single day but maybe once a week or once a month being able to have that practice whether it's you know the guys like playing zima on the other console or zima playing against uh, the, our xbox guys maybe just like once a week or once a month i think it's uh, good to always be prepared but the thing is is you know it's it's going to be a one percent chance realistically if there's 128 players that you're going to get to that final anyways but um in the same way that you know well penalty shootouts never happen you still need to practice it yeah and i mean with that kind of in mind and with the fact that there was maybe a bit of uh, i don't know disgruntlement uh, amongst the players a lot of them maybe losing their heads a little bit and also considering the success of techs with poachers help do you think maybe having a coach or manager advising you helping you is kind of underrated in the scene because we don't see it that uh, much. yeah no I, I agree with that um because it's something that we saw come into i think uh real um like in a real big way at FIWC last year at the grand final with um, Amon being coached by Poacher and finishing sixth in the world on Xbox and then obviously Sean Allen with Gorilla um, being there and I think it's interesting because both players um, uh, both players you know have uh, different needs when you're talking about Gorilla and Amon and I think Amon actually took some tactical advice from Poacher as in like changing little things that maybe didn't need to be changed um, when when his gameplay style was already working in it and then with Gorilla obviously he needed more of just like a hype man in, in a sense um, so I think it's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be down to management and to the to the teams especially to figure out what their players need whether it is emotional support or it's actual tactical support um, because I think some players end up like second guessing themselves and um, you know recently we've actually brought on an analyst as well to kind of run over uh like vod reviews and stuff to go back over gameplay and see if there's any um issues that maybe our players haven't identified um so i think the infrastructure is starting to build a lot around these players it's just a question of you know um if the teams are going to invest in in coaching and anal and analytics and stuff like this um as you know more and more money comes into the scene oh nice yeah that makes a lot of sense so poacher what does this analyst do for you like how does it work um, yeah, so Enzo, he analyzes my gameplay and so he sends me across points uh, that maybe maybe I need to improve my game and I take everything into consideration that he says, whether that's, you know, uh, changing formation or changing my style of play. Uh, so whatever he says, I'll, you know, practice that and maybe add it to my game, maybe I won't. But in terms of my, my own kind of analyzing my own gameplay, I've never really done that before. Uh, maybe that's something I need to add into my game. but. Um, it's more so of just learning new things and learning off other players rather than making less mistakes in my gameplay, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So Sam, obviously a different tournament um, style, something we used to see in other esports, uh, the Swiss style. I quite liked it. A lot of games, as you, as you know, um, you can be playing up to 14 games. Obviously each round was two legs if you make it all the way to the, through to the seven rounds. Uh, Obviously, for better seeding, if you didn't know, or if you did lose four straight away, you would be knocked out of the competition. Um, what was your views on the Swiss format? Did you like it or didn't you? I liked it. Um, so, in my opinion, it increases the skill gap. So, if you're playing like maybe three games in your group and you, you're one though up and like, maybe something doesn't go with you and then you draw that game which mean, that means you're out with the swiss system you have so many opportunities to go through whereas really there's no excuse if you don't go through so i like it yeah i think from that perspective it was definitely a really good move and and actually from the perspective of someone relatively new to esports and also watching from home i thought maybe it was simpler than the previous sort of 
bracketed method, which was a little confusing. Did you, as a commentator, Brandon, quite like that? Yeah, it did, and it was a case of you know a lot, all these guys. For example, Marcuso from uh, Manchester City. You know, he plays all his games on the Friday, forty games. So it depends as well. A lot of the guys like to space out the games, and of course, you got your breaks between each game. But it was a lot of FIFA to take on for a number of guys, and it was a case maybe of who mentally was was more prepared. I thought. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a, a mental battle. What was interesting on commentary as well was that where you went through each round. Some players started not the greatest. For example, Tass, as, you, as you'll come out and give his, uh, he phased up. Um, it, it, you know, he went zero to two, then went five to uh, five to two, I believe. And other players that started well, you know, the next day they didn't start as well. So, as a commentary perspective and maybe a viewership, I think it was quite interesting the Swiss style. Yeah, and you also had those tense games, of course, where you know one player could be going out because they're both on three losses or one player could be going through because they're both on three wins. There was that kind of tension in a lot of the matches which you perhaps wouldn't get with group stage kind of system. Oh, definitely. And it was really t- tough as well because it was at one point, I think it was, uh, was it DH Techs or was it Dreamer? I can't remember, that knocked out Rocky and Rocky had to win um, to go through. Uh, obviously defending champion from Bas- uh, from not Barcelona from Berlin you know it was a big shock and he had a lot of pressure on him and you know for example there was a game where Agar had to win his game and he, he scored a last minute winner you know there was a number of standout moments there which you know the Swiss style format did bring because a lot of the guys went three and three and they left it right down to the last game to get themselves through and, and as you said it was really interesting from that side and Colin did you like it? Uh, yeah, so coming from the from from the fanatic side, from more of like an esports side, uh, I was really excited to see Swiss system um, because it's it's it creates a lot of drama in the early rounds. Whereas I feel like sometimes um, group stage can be a bit of like a damp squib in in a couple different ways. Whereas like you know going into the final round, like two people might already be eliminated, so some of the matches don't matter. Whereas in Swiss system, every single match matters, you know, because you might be one game away from being eliminated or one game away from from going through. And uh, you get so many of those matches, you know, like everyone will have that match, whether they're about to be eliminated or about to go through. And that's what I think uh, brought a lot of the drama. And um, there were a lot more emotions, I felt like, running through the event the entire day. And it was a much louder event, I felt like, because so many people, you know, were just through or just got eliminated. And everyone felt that at one point or another. It's almost a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because I think the sort of bare bones were really there, the kind of structure. But the execution just wasn't quite there. Yeah, no, definitely. The uh, the idea was was 100% there, and it was just the execution that was a bit off, but I think they're going to continue with this. Um, hopefully, they're not, you know, warned off it just because uh, the day one didn't go very well, because I think they had it figured out by day two, just the waits were a bit too long, um, and I think if they can just shorten those up and, like, tighten it up a bit, uh, like they did last year, it'll be a lot better. It's just 128 people, you know, they've never really tried anything of that scale before as well with, with that many players going at the same time, so I think once that's ironed out, it'll it'll be perfect because 1v1 and Swiss system just fits so well together and um, you know, yeah, the drama was definitely there um, you know I keep saying this all the time and you know a number of pros always you know say you know what you want about what you want about but we're in a transition with FIFA esports like it's the first time this format's gone on Colin said 128 players the biggest you could say event or qualify with that many players that EA have hosted you know there's going to be issues sometimes but you've got to learn from them there's got to be a mistake somewhere um, for you to move on and you know to make things better and so to any pro that's listening out here 
we are in a transition of esports and FIFA, for example, has only really been pushed for its second year now. So, you know, to, to be in the position where we are with this global series and with potentially so many tournaments coming up, you know, we should be feeling quite lucky. But, you know, I do understand. And, you know, there's another event in April and hopefully that one will be uh, even bigger and better. Yeah, indeed. Uh, look forward to that. And Poacher, we should probably finish off with you just asking you, how did you feel that tournament went from, from your perspective? The thing with me is that what I did is on the gameplay we're playing right now at home, I kind of like mastered pressure skills and quick passing. And the way I play, it's, it's very much because I've played that way for so long, it's hard to adapt. So I've been playing that way for like maybe like a month just consistently quick passing skills. So it's just ingrained in my brain to do that. So going into the event where the gameplay is slower and where maybe the combos I do at home don't come off and maybe the passing is just a lot different, maybe the timing is different, it's a lot harder to adapt. Um, so I think my my kind of difficulty was adapting to the slower gameplay and not being able to do what I was be able to do at home. I think I said it earlier, but next time I'm going to try and take more of a possession approach rather than skills and quick passing mm, interesting i'll look forward to seeing how that works out at the next event i'm sure poacher just quickly while we've got you what are your thoughts on the new patch um obviously there's a lot of talk of it fixing the kickoff glitch how, how are you feeling about it so far uh i think i tweeted out a few days ago that um it's a lot similar to the esports version and now i've played a lot more it's the, although the gameplay is a lot slower it's still nowhere near off the esports version it's still it's still very much quicker than it is at the events but in terms of kickoff it's definitely been nerfed but it's still there like um in fever 17 i don't think many people noticed it but there was a kickoff glitch where your maybe your defensive line was like in your own box and it was just, it's just set your players are set up differently to what it's normally set up to so i think that's what it is right now uh, so it's not completely fixed, but it's been nerfed. Mm, yeah. But I think one thing we have to take our hat off to EA for in terms of the whole gameplay thing is that it was much better in terms of not seeing loads and loads of those kind of cutback goals where players are just trying to get to the byline to cut it back. They've done a lot of work on animations this year to try and make that less effective, make defenders more alive to that kind of situation. And it does seem to work very well with the animations they've added. And I think we saw a bigger variety of goals overall in the tournament. I think the, uh, a lot of the goals we see now is obviously, you know, if we talk about finishes, low driven obviously goes without saying. But the one that is not always used as well from, you know, the European scene is, you know, I say this all the time and I comment that as well, Richard, as well, that, you know, a lot of European players, they like to score the perfect goal. You could say like Barcelona-esque, kind of like pass into the goal. However, you know, the NA players, they did it last year, still do a bit this year. Round that edge of the box, round that edge of the box on a finesse, you know, when you've got players that have got unbelievable finishing stats, that's one of the you know the deadly ways you can score as well. And you know, for example, like Zelonius, he loves a long shot, and he said he scored eight of them uh, after the Swiss style um, on the first day, maybe even more. So you know, there's other ways that players score, and a lot of the time, a lot of the guys give so much space around the edge of the box that they don't expect the shot to come. So for me, I'd like to see a lot more finesses. And Poacher, would you agree with that, that there's a bigger variety of ways to score and that cutback is less common, I guess? Uh, yeah, I think it has improved because last year, like you said, it was just RBNA across the box goal. Um, this year it's changed. I feel like it's not changed to the extent I want it to because in FIFA 15 and 16, it was more about skills and you get more of a variety of goals. Um, so I think it's, it's changed, but not, not that much. Yeah, I mean, I think I find it quite disappointing and... 
Um, so I think I'm kind of similar in the way I play, although obviously a lot worse. Um, and I, I don't know, what, what do you think it is that stops dribbling and, and skills from being so effective? Because the AI assistants have been buffed. And not only that, I think a lot of people don't really notice this, but compared to FIFA a few years ago, you'd be using people like Anua at the centre-back, whereas now you're using Maldini and Ferdinand, which means that your centre-backs are more assisted. So, yeah, no, I think that's why kind of like skills and stuff has been nerfed down a lot. So, obviously, going into the, the qualifier month poacher, is it the same, same thing for you again? Get straight back in there, grind it out, and get yourself a place for April? Uh, yeah, so tomorrow's qualification month, so I'll, yeah, I'll just be um, glad to play weekend league again and hopefully get the next week or next month, sorry. Nice, nice. And uh, Colin, obviously, for, for your players as well, Inter and Zimmy. I hear in the Fnatic bunker might be in use for some of your guys. Are you plan to use that kind of HQ vibe? Yeah, we have. Uh, we're flying all all the guys down. Um, some of them are staying like pretty much the entire month. Like, and so we'll be here every day except for, for pretty much three three of the days in February. And uh, Zima as well is going to be here for I think fourteen or fifteen days as well. So um, every single weekend, uh, all three of the guys will be here uh, playing their weekend league games, and hopefully we'll have uh, three representatives at uh, in April. And Colin, that will be particularly interesting because, as I'm sure many listeners may be aware, the connection in places like Italy is pretty poor. Are you expecting a much better performance from InServe this time around? Yeah, 100%. I think we'll be seeing better performances overall. Um, the uh, connection, as you've seen, there's pretty much only one or two players that are able to qualify from Italy, and he's had a lot of connection problems. And with our 500 up, 500 down here in the bunker, um, we'll definitely be looking to see some uh, better performances. Great. Well, best of luck to them. I'm, I'm sure they'll do very well, a lot better than I will anyway, and Brandon probably. And actually on that note, Brandon, it's probably time to wrap the podcast up there. Yeah, I think we are. And just a big thank you, obviously, DHTech's already gone now, but... We thank him. A big thank you for him coming on again. Obviously, a busy schedule for him now as he uh, he's growing up. He's growing up the ranks on the uh, the social media scales. But obviously, a big thank you to Colin as always, who's here every week. Um, I, I hope you've enjoyed this kind of mismatch. I've enjoyed it, Ben. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's been really good. Great to get a little podcasting double act going. Um, really good fun. Yeah, and also a big thank you to Sam Pocher. We wish you all the best, and also all the Roma guys too. The best of luck in in February. Yeah, thank you. All good, all good. And um, obviously, we'll be back next week for our own podcast, you could say. But it goes without saying, make sure you go and show some love to Foot Weekly. Obviously, we'll put the links down below as always. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoyed this week's podcast, then it is the kind of thing that Foot Champions Podcast are doing. So do follow them and also, of course, subscribe to them. Just search Foot Champions for them and Foot Weekly for us in your podcast provider. And it goes without saying, from me, Brandon Smith, from Ben, uh, Colin... Poacher Richard, he's not even here, he'll be saying bye as well. Um, we wish you all the best in Weekend League. Start February with a bang, and uh, we'll catch you next week for another podcast. See you later. <laughs>